You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1045 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Before we start the show today, I want to tell you that Chad Ford, Lawton NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Lawton NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft as it happens. It's Lawton NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. There's local expert analysis on each and every pick, and you can follow the Locked On NBA feed on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today's show is the final installment before the actual NBA draft arrives on Thursday evening. So thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. We'll spend most of the show talking about some final draft thoughts uh, through the prism of a couple of mailbag questions and some latest mock drafts, etc. But first, some news at the top of the show. The Summer League schedule came out on Wednesday. And uh, as always, it's not terribly you know interesting from a broad perspective, but it's certainly a uh, sort of piece of content and some planning that can go on between now and when Summer League arrives in just under two weeks, by the way. We are almost there. Um, regardless, the Hawks are guaranteed five games in Las Vegas starting in mid-August, I guess early August, really technically. Um, only four of those are pre-scheduled. The first one is going to be on Sunday, August 8th against the Boston Celtics at 4 p.m. Eastern time on NBA TV. And by the way, that doubles as the first game of any team at Summer League. So Summer League opens on the 8th, and the Hawks have the first scheduled game in Las Vegas. So probably some extra eyeballs on that one with some anticipation, the first live basketball of NBA players since the NBA Finals. So uh, an early tip in Las Vegas, but 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, and that'll be fun to watch. From there, they have a day off on Monday. Then Tuesday, August 10th, against the Pacers at 6 p.m., Eastern on NBA TV, then Thursday the 12th against the Sixers in the rematch of the playoff series at 9 p.m. Eastern, the only late tip-off that is scheduled for the Hawks. That's an ESPN2 game on that Thursday, and their final scheduled game is Saturday the 14th against the Heat, another early tip, a 4 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN2. Then after the four games are done, the top two teams in the entire field will meet for the championship on August 17th, but the Hawks will play either on the 16th or the 17th, somewhere in their fifth game. That's a Monday or Tuesday. So the four games are scheduled. You know, not you know, in terms of matchups, it'll all be you know they, they tend to make these uh, sort of matchups against the draft pairings and all that kind of stuff. The Hawks have being the 20th pick. No super sexy matchups necessarily, other than the Sixers rematch. But a lot to dive into, and we'll have full coverage from Las Vegas. That's coming up very very soon. Um, elsewhere. Scott Agnes and Chris Kirshner both reported that Steve Gansey will be the next head coach of the Hawks G League team in College Park. Gansey was the head coach of the Fort Wayne G League team when Nate McMillan was the head coach of the Pacers. That's the connection here, it looks like, and uh, those obviously are on the same page. Fort Wayne is the G League affiliate for the Pacers, so some cohesion there. I don't know much about Gansey, obviously. But that cohesion is definitely helpful. College Park should be interested in modern this year. After sort of a lost season, uh, they weren't in the bubble, etc. And uh, College Park now has, you know, sort of a getting, getting back to its roots of having that feeder system to Atlanta and having guys be able to go down there for a game or two, be close by, and uh, we'll have that to monitor. But Steve Gansey will be taking over that, according to all the reporting that is available. Um, last sort of newsy thing, but also this is kind of draft-related I'm not someone who's going to go into these uh, a ton in terms of the workout list and who who came to Atlanta, who didn't. They're often a little bit misleading in that players are regularly drafted by teams without working out. And also, at a certain point, 
teams have basically everyone that they possibly could draft in at that one spot. But it's still worth checking out if you can get the entire information. And Chris Livermore of the AJC, shouts to Chris, uh, gathered up all of the workouts that the Hawks had, at least a massive list of players. I will not read them all to you here, but it was published in one place on Wednesday at the AJC, so I recommend checking that out. Um, there, were, there were some first-round-ish kind of players on the list, a bunch of those. Uh, these are not in order in any way, shape, or form, other than just uh, what I jotted them down, and maybe some alphabetical stuff as well. But uh, Isaiah Jackson was in, the uh, big man from Kentucky. Io DeSunmu came for the Hawks, uh, the guard from Illinois. Kessler Edwards from Pepperdine, who I like quite a bit. Josh Christopher, a shot creator from Arizona State. Herb Jones from Alabama. Uh, Miles McBride, West Virginia. Josh Primo came in. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Jaden Springer, who's been a, po- uh, a podcast favorite. JT Thor and uh, Isaiah Todd is more of a second-round guy, but I think people seem to like him as well. They were all on the list. Also, Chris Bithmore talked to Landry Fields, who is the Hawks assistant GM right now, and he emphasized the standard best player available stuff at number 20 and said they may be more likely to consider need at 48 overall. Also, the AJC noted that there were no players that had multiple workouts, according to what he he was able to gather from there. And also, a few had solo workouts, though, but no specifics beyond that. And to the point about Landry Fields, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, who is uh, very plugged in, shouts to Jake, um, he reported that Landry Fields is a, is a potential link guy to the Celtics search for their GM under the new president, Brad Stevens. Fields just joined the Hawks fairly recently. And also, kind of in some synergy, Fisher's reporting had also included Jeff Peterson, who is the uh, who is the former Hawks assistant general manager under uh, Travis Slank. So lots of synergy there. And uh, obviously Landry has not been around Atlanta too long at this point in time, but he was at least linked to that. So I wanted to pass that along to you at the top of the podcast. All right, before we dive into some draft stuff and wrap this th- whole thing up, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, so first I will say I've done a lot of talking on the NBA draft and also just deferring to a bunch of experts. So this will be the first of several plugs. Uh, There's all kinds of podcast content on the draft in the feed over the last three or four weeks. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard, and I would recommend strongly catching up on all that stuff. We'll talk about all the experts that came on the podcast at the end of the show, but that is still very much available, and I will just sort of do some wrap-up here at the end of the show. First, though, some mock drafts. So right now, I'm recording this Wednesday evening. I am still on the road, so my apologies for the audio quality, but I'm on the road for the day job. Nothing I can do about that. But, you know, six, seven mock drafts here I want to at least mention. They've all flip-flopped a lot in the last coming days, and they could all change on Thursday. So keep that in mind. I'm recording this Wednesday night. With that said, um, right now, ESPN is the most prominent one. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni, he has Cam Thomas of LSU to the Hawks at 20. Uh, the Ringer and Kevin O'Connor has Kai Jones of Texas, the combo big man. 
Bleacher Report and Jonathan Wasserman, a former guest of this podcast, has Cam Thomas as well, as does Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, another guest of this podcast previously. He has Cam Thomas at number 20, uh, SB Nation, and Ricky O'Donnell, who has also been on the show in, in the past, uh, has Jared Butler at 20 from Butler. Um, sorry, not from Butler, from Baylor. And uh, The Athletic has Keon Johnson from Tennessee. That's Sam Messina, who was actually on the show a couple weeks ago. So uh, that's sort of a good smattering of players. And we'll get into a lot of these guys in a second when I sort of do the final roundup. But it kind of tells the, tells the story. Cam Thomas is the popular name right now in association with the Hawks. And we'll come back to him in a second. But I want to at least say that out loud at the top here is that he has uh, got some juice toward Atlanta in, ter- in terms of the buzz and the intel circles right now. Um, a question to help me get into these, some of these topics from the mailbag that I've gotten in the last couple of weeks. Question from Brady. And the question is, do you think that the Hawks could trade up for number 20? And if so, how high could they get? So, uh, Zach Harper and Chris Kirchner, both of the Athletic, have talked about this and reported that the Hawks have been exploring trade-up scenarios on some level. Um, so, obviously, it's certainly a possibility at 20 if they were to fall in love with a guy. We've seen Travis Schlenk go up for DeAndre Hunter in the past. Uh, they traded up for Bruno Fernando in the second round. They've not been shy about getting their guy, so to speak. Um, in terms of assets and what the Hawks could use to sweeten the pot to go up from 20, they do have all of their own future first-round picks. Um, if they wanted to do some protected first-round pick additions, um, they have their entire war chest of picks of their first. They have the OKC pick, which is kind of a fake first-rounder. Uh, if you're not familiar with this pick, uh, it, it came as part of the Dennis Schroeder trade. Uh, but it's a first-round pick if the Thunder make the playoffs this season in 21-22. That is an unlikely scenario. It's not impossible, but certainly not a projected scenario. If they, do, if they don't make the playoffs, that becomes two second-round picks. So it still has some value, but two seconds is not the same thing as a first. They could use that as a sweetener. It's not going to change the world for a team, but it could be something that is a, a selling point as a sort of throw-in to go up a few spots. Also, they could conceivably use a young player. You know, Cam Reddish uh, stuff has been out there quite a bit. Um, for instance, I've, I've heard that, you know, dating back to about a year ago probably, that Cam is at least available in trades. I'm not saying that they, that they have to trade Cam, but there is a little bit of smoke to that. Um, we'll see what happens with regard to Reddish. I know Hawks fans uh, really like Cam, and I think I've, I've always been pretty high on Cam. I think his defense, for, for instance, is legitimate, and his shot making and his upside is pretty interesting in a lot of ways. He flashed some of that in the playoffs, but um, there is a little bit of fire, I should say, to the smoke. Uh, with Reddish. So we'll see what happens there, but that's a prominent um, thing that's been thrown around. ESPN included him and sort of as a non sequitur in, in a report earlier. There's been a little bit of that juice. Uh, it doesn't have to be Reddish, by the way. They do have other guys they could include, but in terms of their young players on their contract, he might be the one that's lowest on the totem pole in terms of where they are right now. I'm not definitely saying that's the case, but if you look at it, um, you know, he was the guy that they made the run kind of without last year. Akongwu is injured. Herter had sort of a leap at the end of last season as a year ahead. Hunter is at a higher level than Reddish right now, for instance. Uh, Collins is a free agent, etc. So if you want to if you want to pick one guy that's already under contract that actually has value in trade, that could be a sweetener. It would probably have to be Cam. One thing that I will say about that, though, is that if, if it actually was Reddish and a pick, they'd have to go up pretty high to actually make that worth it. You know, Cam Reddish has really good value. One of the popular conversations on the internet recently has been, you know, basically what kind of pick could Cam Reddish yield on his own. I would say you don't even pick up the phone without a lottery pick on the table for Cam Reddish on his own. And if you throw in 20, you got to be getting pretty high and have to have someone that you're really in love with to package those two assets. You know, I'm not sure how high I want to go for Reddish in terms of just on his own, but Reddish and 20 might get you into the top six or seven picks 
I would have to imagine. So we'll see how that goes, what, what Canada's value is and all that stuff. But in terms of the, the question itself about trading up, the Hawks could certainly get up a few picks without having to go too crazy if they want to use the OKC pick, maybe a future first-round pick. But um, in terms of like getting all the way up into the top 10, they have to probably use something else, you know, either two firsts in the future or Cam or something like that if you wanted to get crazy aggressive. I think more likely, though, that they might have a guy that they really like that they're worried might, may not get to them at 20. They, might, they actually might want to go up to like 17 to get or, 20, or 18 to get. Not a huge swing, but someone they want to target. So that's all sort of informed guessing at this point in time, but that's what I would say at this stage. Okay, um, from there, the next question I want to hit on is from Nathan, and he asks the sort of opposite question. Um, is there a scenario where the Hawks trade down? And he says, that seems to be the one thing that I haven't seen anybody talk about in this draft cycle. I will say this, you know, I've kind of banged the drum for trading down in recent years. This year, I haven't really talked about that a lot because I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense. You know, I'm usually an advocate for trading down, especially... Um, when you're not at a f- super premium position where the Hawks are not right now at number 20 overall. So in a vacuum, I think trading down is often a good value play. Um, but this year, the Hawks have a lot of guys already. Um, and, you know, roster spot-wise, they do have some room. But I think, you know, the value of going down a couple spots or, you know, I would say several spots, um, maybe in a trade-down scenario, is not off the charts once you get sort of a premium asset. You know, if a team wants to give you a, f- a future first-round pick to go from 22 to 20, sure. But in terms of like the value proposition, the Hawks have a lot of guys on their roster. They have some flexibility, but I think it's not likely to happen. I think it's certainly possible that Schlenk were to trade down. He did trade down once before, and famously in the Luca Trey trade, he traded down. But since then, he's not done that. He's been more likely to trade up to get his guy. So I think there is probably a scenario where you know Travis looks at his board and says, "Look, all my guys that I wanted are gone. Maybe I want to move back a few spots." You know, if, if a team calls you, for instance, like if Houston calls you and they have a pair of picks in the 20s and they want to use both of those picks to go up to 20, like that's worth considering because, you know, 20 to 23 is not a huge drop in terms of overall value on the trade market. With that said, I think I, I would I would probably bet against them trading down in this class. Also, there's a separate question of also, you know, trading out, essentially. I think that's more likely as weirdly as that might sound for a team that's been sort of building through the draft, the Hawks now are in a situation where they're trying to win very clearly at this point in time after making the Final Four last year of the NBA. So it could be conceivable to me anyway to move 20 for a guy who is like a cost-controlled rotation-level player that can help them right away. Because even the guys who are more quote-unquote NBA-ready in this class are not going to be as safe to play as a rookie as you would find if you were trying to find somebody that was already established. Who that player is, it's hard to tell, but it wouldn't stun me if they were to, you know, use 20 to try to find a more established piece. Um, maybe not one for one, but, you know, 20 and something else or 20 in Chris Dunn or something like that to bring back some salary and maybe somebody that they like, etc. So they have some options, but I think trading out of the draft entirely is probably a little bit more likely than trading down, although neither scenario would shock me a ton. Okay, before we get to some more player stuff, at the end of the show and some final thoughts, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, BetOnline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can check all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, 
golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and on that question here, kick off this last segment and the last kind of final thoughts for the draft. And the question is from Rap, who asks, what do you think of the players Chris Kirchner said that he's been hearing the most with the Hawks, particularly with Cam Thomas? So Chris released a mailbag um, on, I believe it was Wednesday morning, maybe Tuesday evening, one of those, and talked about some guys that he's been hearing some stuff about. I will say a lot of that overlap with what I've been hearing as well. Um, but with regard to Cam Thomas, we'll start there. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of buzz there. I don't think the fit is perfect in Atlanta. I'll say that at the top of the podcast. And also, Thomas is someone that I've admitted on the show is not my favorite kind of prospect. Um, I can also see, though, why Schlick would be drawn to him as a shot creator. He is a professional scorer. Ken Thomas can really shoot it. He can make contested shots. He uh, is a established prolific scorer. He's ultimately in score at Oak Hill Academy, which has had a ton of pros. Um, he was an EOI, EYBL scorer off the charts. He was a, his nation's leading scorer as a freshman. All that stuff. He, he scored a ton at LSU, and it's very obvious that that's what he's going to be able to do at the NBA level. With that said, there are some questions, sort of limitations-wise, with his burst athletically. His defense is not great right now, and his passing is not really great right now. He's definitely a one-track score at this point in time. That could change. A lot of guys, you know, sort of morph into a more well-rounded player in the NBA. But um, I could kind of see all sides with Cam. But regardless, there is some buzz on Cam Thomas. I can confirm that from what I've heard as well. I'm not um, woge or anything, but I've heard some stuff by Cam Thomas. Uh, and the Hawks, so he could be gone by the time the Hawks get him at 20. Uh, he could, they could also pass on him. That wouldn't, that wouldn't stun me, so I don't want to overstate it, but it certainly would not surprise me if they drafted him, and uh, he certainly would bring a different element that they don't have right now. Like, you know, For instance, I think he's more of a two. You know, He's kind of a combo guard-sized player, You know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, um, not a huge guard by any means, and not really a point guard, given his lack of passing and distribution, but he's an on-ball player, and he could also shoot it off the ball, so there's some integration stuff there we talk about if they actually do, uh, do draft him, but a talented guy, to be sure. Um, elsewhere on Chris's list, he mentioned Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, both of Tennessee. Um, Keon is a hyper-athlete, a guy who I thought was going to be gone by the Hawks pick, and I think he probably still will be, but uh, he was, as I said before, uh, mocked to the Hawks at least once this week. Um, and I think he definitely has a long way to go, but um, athletically, there's a lot of pop there, and then defensively, he's pretty impressive. But offensively, it's kind of a work in progress. Jaden Springer, I like a lot. I recommend listening to the PD Web Ben Pfeiffer episodes that I did on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but they both like Springer a ton. Um, he definitely has some interesting stuff to iron out, but I think I like his defense. I like his offensive package, what it could be. It was a weird environment at Tennessee for both of these guys, but I like both of them as upside swings at number 20. Um, Chris mentioned Chris Duarte of Oregon. I think he'll be gone. Uh, the buzz on Duarte is that he's going to be long gone by 20. Maybe the Hawks trade up for him. That wouldn't like stun me. But I think you know the thing about Duarte is that he's 24 years old. Uh, I like him a lot as a player, but 24 is uh, ancient in prospect terms. So I think he'll be gone, so it won't really matter. But it does not surprise me because he, he checks a lot of the boxes that the Hawks like. You know, dribble, pass, shoot, defend. You know, he's a relatively... Big, you know, you know, I would say more of a shooting guard than a three, but he has, you know, he's six six and competes really hard, and there's a lot to like there other than the age. So uh, he's on the list. Also, Stanford's Ira Williams on the list. 
and Illinois' Io Desunmu. Uh, Zaire, more of an upside swing, had a rough year at Stanford. Uh, Desunmu was kind of off the radar, but Zach Harper mentioned him as well. Um, you know, a very established guy, an All-American at Illinois. Not my favorite prospect in the world, but certainly had a great season as a junior at Illinois and raised his stock as a result of that. There's some shooting questions. There's some handle questions. I think he's definitely more of a two, but has a good wingspan, you know, 6'9", 6'10", wingspan. So he's, you know, he's not huge. He's definitely more of a shooting guard, but um, a guy who can at least handle the ball a little bit and is used to playing on the ball at Illinois and uh, would check a lot of boxes that the Hawks also like. So th- those are the guys that Chris mentioned. I would also add a couple of guys to that list of guys that I've at least heard associated association, I should say, with the Hawks. Trey Murphy of Virginia, Jared Butler of Baylor, Jalen Johnson of Duke, and Trey Mann of Florida. I've heard about all those guys at various levels. That doesn't take into account either like a situation where some guys fall. Like if you know Kai Jones was mocked to the Hawks by I believe it was the Ringer, and if he fell, that would be interesting. Um, other guys that could like maybe tumble might be interesting as well. So part of the thing here that makes it so hard to evaluate this class, and I've said this a lot over the last few weeks, but if you're just catching up now. I'll say it one more time. There's a lot of uncertainty as to who's going to be available. Uh, I think there's probably 10, 11, 12 guys that I think are going to be gone with some conviction, but the Hawks pick at 20. So <laughs> that means there's seven or eight spots before them that I'm not entirely sure who who is going to fill them, and that makes it hard to dissect the Hawks at number 20 overall. I'll say this. In the end, I think the Hawks probably can't mess this up too badly unless they go way off the radar with the pick at 20, or maybe overpay to trade up. That's always a, a parallel situation potentially in terms of value, but there are scenarios that I don't prefer, particularly with like Isaiah Jackson, who I think is a perfectly fine prospect, but is more of a center. I would not want the Hawks to invest in a pure center, uh, who I think, and I think that's probably the case. You know, Kai Jones, who'd be at least an upside play. He can maybe play some four. Uh, Alperin Sanjun is like more of a combo, interesting, you know, translation guy, but Pure centers, like they're on sharp. Isaiah Jackson, I probably would not want to go that route. There are a couple of guys, other guys that I wouldn't necessarily prefer, but there's not a whole lot of damage that could be done by this pick. I think it's relatively flat in terms of the guys that I might want and not want in this class. I think there's probably 10 or 12 guys that I, I think would be perfectly reasonable pick picks, I should say, at number 20 overall, and that's a pretty wide spectrum. So uh, there's again, there's not a whole lot that Travis Schlenk and the company could do here that I would like roundly criticize at 20. I think, for instance, like the, the, the Tennessee guys, um, Johnson and Springer, would be good values if they fell to 20. I think both those guys um, are more talented than that pick would suggest. Uh, Zaire Williams and Jalen Johnson would be ceiling bets for sure, more risky, but those guys have, you know, at least fringe lottery talent. If they're available at 20, that makes some sense. Uh, Jared Butler and Trey Murphy would be like very, very much more in the safe camp. Not huge upside guys, but Murphy is a, you know, prototypical 3 and D forward. Jared Butler, I've always liked quite a bit from Baylor. Uh, definitely more of a role player type, but checks a lot of boxes as a backup point guard, combo guard type, could play with Trey, without Trey, shoot it, defend, etc. There are also some scorers. In addition to Cam Thomas, we talked about earlier, like Josh Christopher would be a more of a scoring type option who I think they could be drawn to. There are some lead guards, there's some combo guards, you know, Trey Mann, Miles McBride, Bones Highland, they'd be totally fine in this range as well. So Sharif Cooper would be a high upside bet at backup point guard. I don't think that, I think I would not want him to be there if I was his agent, but I think he'd be a reasonable investment at number 20 because he's a really talented player. So again, if I, if I didn't mention a guy, there's probably even more that I haven't talked about it would be fun to see what they do here, but honestly, like people always ask me like for a projection on what's going to happen, and man, that is basically impossible at 20. Even with Intel, like I think right now if you made me choose one prospect that is most likely to go at 20 based on Intel, I would probably pick K- 
Cam Thomas because there's probably the most buzz about him. And, you know, Jonathan Gavoni is mocking him there. I think Gavoni probably has the best intel of anybody in the public space. Even then, though, I'd probably take the field over Thomas. So if I had to pick one guy, it'd be Thomas. But I would definitely not say that he's more 50-50 to go to the Hawks at 20. There's just too much that can happen before that with trades or him being gone or the Hawks smoke screening. There's just a lot of uncertainty. It makes it fun, to be sure. I always love this process. It's a lot harder uh, in some ways at number 20 overall because of the uncertainty ahead of you. But also, this is a pretty interesting middle part of this draft class. So uh, hopefully, everybody enjoy the pre-draft content. I want to plug one more time before I get out of here. Um, you know, three or four weeks of jam-packed coverage on, in this space. You know, five, six shows a week, basically, uh, in the last month as the Hawks were eliminated. Uh, Brian Schroeder, Andrew Kelly, Tyler Jones, Sam Vecini, Evan Zamir, Ben Pfeiffer, P.D. Webb, also uh, some solo shows that I did in there, um, all kinds of content. So if you missed anything, and I mean anything, from the last month on the draft, um, even non-Hawk stuff, we talked about the top of the draft a lot, the middle of the draft, etc. Those are all still available in the feed. If you want to listen to those on Thursday, they'll all still stand up. And uh, after the draft, I will have a podcast, probably solo. We'll see if what happens uh, with, with regard to that. You know, Travis Schleck will be speaking in the media after uh, the draft itself is over. So it'll be a late-night show. Thursday night into Friday morning, but I'll wrap up all of that. And then, uh, by the way, free agency begins on Monday. So a very, very short turnaround, plenty to get to in the coming days. But thank you as always for listening to the podcast. My apologies for the audio quality uh, as I'm still on the road, but hopefully it's at least listenable for everybody. Please take a second if you enjoy the show to leave a five-star rating as well as a review and tell your friends and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Wherever you like to find podcasts, we should be there. If we're not, hit me up at BT Roland on Twitter. Hit up the show at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see you guys after the draft on Thursday evening.